We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, friends. Welcome to Mavs Moneyball Group Therapy coming to you at a shade before 11 p.m. for those of you listening on the podcast. Uh, as always, be sure to go and download Spotify Greenroom. Follow me at Kirk Henderson and you will get notified when we go live. I want to hear from new people. I want to keep talking about this because uh, sports is fun, um, even though we don't really have anything to complain about, which is kind of our, uh, which is kind of our jam here on group therapy. Um, Quick recap of the game. The Mavericks uh, basically ground out a challenging win against a team that, on paper, they probably should have beat the crap out of. But Toronto is feisty. And survived a lot of uh, poor play from some of the role players. And Luca reminded everybody that he is, in fact, quite good. And the people who say that he shouldn't be an all-star or starter are, in fact, stupid. So remember, hit that request button. It insta-mutes you, so you're going to need to unmute yourself. Uh, be sure to listen for your name when I call you up uh, and don't argue in the chat too hard because otherwise you will not notice that I've brought you up on stage. All right, coming up first, let's uh, bring on Jason. Hey, Jason, what's going on? That was a great win. I'm not going to lie. It was a slug at some point, but they got through it. Yeah, yeah. I, I was uh, writing the recap, and let me tell you, it's always nice when I don't have to rewrite it. Because I was done with that game about three minutes into the fourth quarter, and then all of a sudden it was a two-point game. It felt like they were in command the whole game, but the game ended up close somehow. I don't quite understand how that happened. Turnovers, I think some of that was turnovers, turnovers and offensive yeah. rebounds. So the, there were 16 offensive rebounds from Toronto and 16 turnovers by the Mavericks. Oof. I mean, I think that's just part of playing Toronto. They're so long. I think Luca threw some passes. He kind of wish he could have gotten back. Like, he could have snuck past some other teams. But they're just so long. They play so physical. It's just mm. such a contrast in styles. It's kind of insane to see. It's fun. I mean, it, like, I actually said that before the game, that, you know, styles make fights. And these two teams are just sort of very differently built, where Toronto is just all rangy dudes. I mean, Scotty Barnes, how fun is that guy? He's going to be a menace in the league. 
He's fun, but he also got kind of bodied by Luca tonight, so he's still a rookie. Well, everybody gets bodied by Luca. It's a it's a right, you know. It's it's <laughs> in the fact that he. I really liked how he took the challenge. The other guy, um, the other rookie, champagne. <laughs> that poor that guy's gonna have a shitty film room session because it's like, why are you fouling Luca's face ninety one feet from the basket? Like it has to be coaching up something. Like I assume they told him to get up in Luca to frustrate him, but that's oh my god, that was. Some of the most insane felony I've ever seen. And I've seen Pat Bev, so. <laughs> good point, good point. But yeah, I guess big picture. It's a, I mean, Luca finally got back on track. He finally hit some threes for once, which is insane. Oh my God. Like he actually got something on his shot doing like as flat or as short as usual. So that's really nice to see. The shot did look good. Um, real good. It was like him and Dorian exchanged powers for the evening. I know, right? And then I think, like, I don't know, like, he just, like, Toronto's so physical. It's like somehow Luca just got in the lane, like, at will, basically. Like, I don't know. He he was in such control of this game. Like, here's how. He only had 41. He could have had, like, 50 and, like, 20 assists, it feels like. But but he, here's here's why Luca did that because Luca, no matter how rangy and strong other teams are, I've sort of settled on the fact that Luca might well be the strongest player in the league, and that might be a bit of a hot take. But after watching what he did to Lou Dort up close and watching what he did to these Toronto players, physicality doesn't bother him. It's like he's wearing the Black Panther suit and he just like shoves kinetic energy off of him. I mean, it is he was mean tonight at points. Definitely, definitely so. But yeah, it's just really good to see great bounce back game. I found a bounce back game. We're on a roll, guys. We're on a right. roll. Couple, <laughs> One ten of eleven. So, all right. Talk soon. Hope to see you tomorrow tonight. Okay, coming up next, my buddy Akiva. How you doing, friend? Long time no see. Twenty four hours or whatnot. I can hear you a little bit. Do you speak up a little louder? Yeah, I'll try. I'll there try. There we go. All right, very good. So I hope everything's good I'm with great. you. Uh, it was a it was a blast. It was a blast the other night, Monday night. We right? had a great time. I mean, I like I, I guess the game was really stressful for uh, people watching, but like we were so close that I was just like, holy shit, the whole time. <laughs> and you know, besides other stuff, uh, you know, talking to you and stuff, uh, one of the highlights for me was the two refs. With a fifth spot, fifth bump us, right? You two? Yes. And I was really disappointed tonight with the reviews. I was like, oh man, we didn't get a review. We didn't get a chance the other night to, to watch the refs in action. And they had a couple of options. Yeah. And, and, but the two, the two refs, two of the three refs were really down to earth good guys. Uh, one of them was a rookie. I think his name is Meta. The like Indian. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that the one that the other the other ref said he was an Abercrombie model. A team yeah, yeah. Abercrombie I, model. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I said I I said I said to the guy, hey, you should you shouldn't be a ref. You should be a model because he's really a good looking guy. And then his buddy, I think his name is Mitchell Evans. He's like been four years in the league. He says, yeah, you should be an Aber- Abercrombie and Fitch model. <laughs> oh yeah, loved it. That was. Well, what'd you like about tonight's game? Because tonight's game was very different from that Thunder game. I think. Yes, I think it's just another example of them playing better defense. I still don't like Kidd as a coach, but it does look like he's got them playing much better defense. If whether it's his assistance, I I do believe it's his assistance, whatever. But he's the guy in charge, so he's got to get get the credit. And I still don't think he's the best coach we can have. But 
uh, if they play good team defense and it sticks like that for the rest of the year, that's all Luca needs. He can he needs more, but of course, looks as you say, a lot of times they're still breaking his assists. He should have he should have had four or five more assists minimum today. They're still breaking them, but it all Luca is either the best player in the NBA or second best behind behind the Joker. But but uh, if he if they play good team defense, that's all he needs. They could surprise a lot of people in in the, win a couple of rounds, maybe even more. I really believe. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because I've been talking. You know, the Chicago Bulls are sort of an interesting comparison point for the Mavericks in that. The Bulls made a lot of splashy, very productive off-season moves for their team. And they started off the year playing so well. And since Alex Caruso's been hurt, since Levine's been hurt, since I guess um, Lonzo's now hurt, like they're sort of dealing with the fact that, you know, the NBA season is 82 games long and you're not always going to be riding high. And the Mavericks are sort of playing at a trajectory. I, when, I, when I was bitching about the team incessantly over the first 15 games, the one thing I kept coming back to was, there's like a path out of this. I don't know what it is, but it's like at a certain point I was thinking they can't play this bad forever. And they're now kind of getting it together in a variety of ways, including on defense, which is really interesting. Um, there was a, if somebody could find it and post it to the chat, there was an article by Nikias Duncan sort of explaining what the Mavericks are doing defensively and more importantly, why it's working. And it was like really an educational piece for me because NBA defense is very complex for me. I, I see a lot more when I watch film the next day, but like during the game, sometimes it's like what was happening. Cause tonight, for example, I thought their defense was really piss poor at times. I mean, they got destroyed in the paint, but then all of a sudden they just completely tightened up for the, the, the last 10 minutes of the second quarter. They didn't allow a single paint point after getting, after having giving up 26 paint points in the first 14 minutes of action. Like that's incredible. I've ne- it's been a long time since I've seen a Mavericks team actually figure something out in game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even if they don't play 60 minutes of defense, if they show flashes of that for a quarter or two, that's pretty much a lot of times all you need with, with, with a guy like Luca. I mean, he's, yes, he's incredible. He's incredible. Yes. And, and they're always the the thing is with a young guy that's so great, you always either a good roster pickup away. Or you, or you, or you start playing great defense, and it's uh, they can they can go a long way. I still I still don't like the fact that you know they never play the real bigs. I, I know maybe that's me, just crazy me. I really I really you know well, you do see them eating eating live inside uh, on occasions and. Tonight it, they got killed on the boards, but I mean a lot yeah. of it looked looked like tired leg stuff as opposed to like just bad if if. Mm-hmm. if yeah, and if Porzingis just starts concentrating, just just uh, being good on defense, that's all they need from him, really. I mean, he's, he, you know, it's it's they could really go do good. Um, that's about it, I guess. Uh, well, thanks for joining again. Oh, it's it's a pleasure. Thank you, Kirk. All right, we'll talk soon. Have a good night. You too. All right, coming up next, do we have any names I don't recognize? Jesus, it's always the same. No, I'm just kidding. I love you guys. Um, anybody else wants to come up? Chris, how are we doing? <laughs> You're gonna have me come up and say, "Oh, it's just the same," and then and then have me come up, huh? No. <laughs> right? No, it's fine. I love, I love. No, this is great. You know what would be a cherry on top for this hot streak we're on? Two of our Achilles' heel 
Don't use the word Achilles. That scared me. What? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we don't want any torn Achilles heels, uh, especially Luca's. Uh, TNT and the Phoenix Suns. I mean, pretty brutal. And we're playing them tomorrow night. Pretty brutal. We can fucking win that game tomorrow. Jesus Christ! Like this is just like a great part of the season. Uh, very impressive. Very impressive. I know it could have gone either way with uh, Van Fleet, you know, making that three at the end or something. I mean, we could have lost by one. We'd be like in purgatory right now. So, well, um, I'm liking how things are going right now. But it seemed like Toronto were playing like four bigs and a point guard just the whole game. Just they were super long. It just yeah. That's their whole team is rangy dudes. If it's sort of surprising to me, and I guess like Drogic, I don't know the details there, but it seems like a guy like him could help them at some point, but he either really didn't want to play for them or was expecting a buyout because like their team's just, they only played seven, they played seven guys and one of the seven only played 16 minutes. Like the minute distributions are like so late nineties. It's wild. Yeah, I'm kind of only head scratching moment of the game, which I'm glad we won, but I'm surprised they didn't put Marquise Chris out there just because we were getting, especially in the first half, we were just getting killed on those offensive tip ends, you know, uh, that, that was just driving me nuts. I, I, I didn't even know how we were winning by halftime. It just, it's crazy. I mean, it's obviously Luca. I mean, but just God, if we could just hit our threes consistently, gee, I, I really think we can win the title. Like I, I'm getting a little overboard here, but this is just, just the defense. I'm just, I'm really impressed. I don't know if I have to tip my hat to Jason Kidd about this or just the coaching staff in general, but I mean, would our team be this de- good defensive if we had Rick Carlisle as the coach right now? I mean, I don't know. So. I don't know either. I know that they've got enough guys to buy in and that's what's important. And, and, you know, they're even surviving with like Dor, uh, not Dorian, uh, Dwight Powell playing, you know, doing a lot of help and recover stuff. And like last year it just felt like he was getting crushed at all opportunities. So, I mean, it's working right now. Part of me is like, part of me is a similar roster. I mean, I yeah. think it's just, that's a good part of having a similar roster. I know we, we're getting tired of the same old players, but I mean, they're familiar yes. with each other. I mean, we have. Yeah. Newer coach. Uh, I mean, the guys are healthy, obviously. Nobody's in COVID protocols yet. So this is like the best part of the season, obviously. I really wish the playoffs would just start right now just because everybody's fully healthy. Nobody's in COVID. I'm just – hopefully we can continue this hot streak and by the time the playoffs start. I mean, I would rather face the Grizzlies than the Jazz. I mean, we're right now – and actually we're three games behind the fourth spot. That's just nuts to think that way. And would have beaten the Knicks, we'd be two games behind. It's just – it's crazy where we're at right now. And the Jazz lost to the Rockets tonight, which is funny. Uh, I mean, the the Jazz, like, if we're if let's just you know let's lean into being happy because we don't do that enough. Right. Um, I I think the Jazz have to be the team the Mavs are targeting in the standings. Right. It's not who else is above them. Ob- yeah, uh, Memphis obviously. and then um, it's not Memphis. I think our our I I th- what what I mean to say is like. I think our, our tendency would be to target Memphis because we just assume that they're going to be worse because they're younger. I don't think that's the right play. I think the Jazz are the Jazz are, are currently not in a great place. If you read post game quotes from like Rudy Gobert and stuff like this, they're they, they have to make a move. And and I I don't want to call them like sinking ship because they're the fourth team in the West, but they they they're a team that faces similar issues to what the Mavericks have in that they've had the same group of guys mm-hmm. and only they're on the downward swing. Whereas the Mavericks are on the upward swing. Yeah. And in the playoffs, I know they made it to the second round last year, but I mean, they usually shit the bed of the playoffs too. So it's, it's kind of, 
I mean, right now, yeah, obviously, I would rather play the Grizzlies, even though they were on that 11-game winning streak. I mean, we just bitch slapped them when we played them Sunday, you know. So let's see how that goes. But this will be, yeah, be the fourth time we played them this year, so it will be on Sunday. Um, yes, looking forward to that is, game. This is great. Everybody be happy because, like, this is the best part of the season right now. I oh, don't yeah. remember the last time we won 10 out of 11 games. I mean, really, even if we were at an 11-game winning streak, that has to be – since back in 2007, I mean, it's been a while since it's been that long. Too, so. Right, right. I, I, I have sort of re- resolved to try to not be a big victory lap guy because the season is too long. Takes, you know, like somebody, there's like a, a Twitter account out there that's like, you know, that, that, that was like retweeting various like old bad maps takes. And it's like, who fucking cares? It's sports. It's supposed to be right. fun. And as long as you're like willing to cop to the fact that you might have been wrong at a certain point in time. That's okay. But like right now, it's like this is this is a point where I'm not really worried about whether or not, you know, Jason Kidd is a good or bad coach now. I will be, but I'm not really thinking about it. So it's like when I've seen various takes the last two weeks about, oh, look how good Kidd is. We can't trade Dorian. We can't trade Jill. And I'm like, I don't want to talk about that. Yeah. Because we can't affect it anyways. I just want to like be happy about this shit while it's high. And then when they suck ass again, and they will, the season's too long. It, it, there's just going to be moments. It's it's just the way basketball and sports work. Then maybe we gripe. Like, I don't want to gripe and take laps whenever things are on the upswing just because it's going to look dumb in two weeks if they if they crap the bed tomorrow night because of a bad coaching decision or whatnot. It's like there, there's just too much stuff right now. So I'm just leaning into to enjoying this. But yeah, I mean, if you want to gripe, feel free. The season was, was grindy. I mean, it gets boring for these players. I mean, it's a long season. But really, I mean, we all know Luca's going to shine the best whenever it means the most. Like, that's when he plays the best. So just hopefully, God, just hopefully he stays healthy. Hopefully KP stays healthy. Uh, let's, I just hope they beat the Suns tomorrow because I don't think they've even beaten the Suns maybe one time since Luca has been on the team. Like, I, like the Suns, like, if there's a team that's designed to stop Luka Doncic and it's kind of by accident, it's when you go to a pick and roll against um, – Against their big and then bridges, and both of them can guard him unbelievably well. It's just yeah. they're they're just such a good team. But this could I, be I, last thing. This could be just us playing the second out of back to back. I think this is a good thing because I think if we would take two nights off and sure. the Suns have a second about out of back to back, I think we would lose that game. I I think it's better for us to stay on our, for the Mavs to stay on their toes, uh, be you know the momentum of everything that, that's going on. Just keep it going. They don't need a long two three three day layoff. I think they just come in the next day, it doesn't matter who they play, and they suck. So and sure. it, that's kind of what happened against the Knicks. So Yeah, no, that's true. Too much time to think about it. But let's get this All one right, more. Chris. Well, thanks for joining again. Yes, sir. Okay. All right, talk soon. Um, who else do we got? Brand new name I don't recognize. Atlas, how are we doing? Welcome. Hit that unmute button there. Unmute button there. Hey, what's going on? Welcome. Can uh, yeah, the first time caller here, a long time uh, listener, and I uh, appreciate you putting on this, you know, for everybody to come in and vent out after these Maverick games. And honestly, I wanted to come on here. You know, this game, uh, it was a great game, and uh, I've just been thinking about what we need to add. And I'm glad that I'm actually glad the Mavs are moving on from Miles Turner, and they they shied away from you know whatever, however you want to look at that. But I, I really want us to go all in for Jeremy Grant. And that doesn't mean give up everything. But I think, that, you know, there's a reasonable reasonable price that we could go after and get Jeremy Grant because he would fit so well 
at the four or even the three for us because we know our best lineup starts with Porzingis at the five, Luca at the one, and then that three-four spot gets a little muddy, you know, depending on the matchup. And I think Jeremy Grant would come in and fit so perfectly because on the defensive end, he's long enough to stop all these wing players that we always have trouble with in the playoffs. And then on the offensive end, yeah, he wants to be like a primary guy. And in Dallas, he he really would be because he would be somebody that could actually make a play with the ball and not dribble into defenders with the ball like a Josh Richardson or, you know, some of these other guys we've got. So I think he would be a great asset and option. Just more That's just more talent that we need and we need to go get. And I think that would really help and boost this team moving forward more than a Miles Turner. Well, thank you for that. Can you hit the mute button? I'm getting a little bit of feedback in here, and there we go. Um, so the Turner stuff, couldn't agree more. Feet thing, feet stuff freaked me out. I've been, you know, cracking jokes on Twitter talking about how stress reaction, I know what it is, like, medically, but what you're telling me is that it's on the way to a, a break in the foot. Number two, the, I, I really think the Mavericks play better with one true big on the floor. Um, you're describing Grant as a scoring forward, and basically everything you described about Grant is why I think he was an absolute lunatic for wanting to leave the Nuggets. Like, you put Grant on this Nuggets team, they would kill people. I mean, but he wanted to leave because he wanted to be the, the best man. Mm-hmm. And I, I there are – I can't give any – like, there's nothing sourced on this, but if you dive into kind of like Nuggets, Reddit, and other things, there's, there's a few more reasons why I don't necessarily think he would want to come here. Um, and, and, you know, t- just talking about, like, wanting to be the primary scorer, Jake Fisher reported that, like – that means like ball in your hands. And that's a little bit of a challenge. Like in terms of just like pure basketball fit though, there's absolutely no question because he can like the, the ability to go get a bucket is, you know, it's like the Mavericks the, have two guys who can do that. Jalen Brunson and Luka Doncic. Like it's, it's one of the most undervalued skills. So I, I, I totally understand what you mean, but I just don't think they're going to be able to do it. And I don't think he would really want to come here. Like he left Denver because he wanted to leave Denver, which is just wild to me. Yeah, and I think you're just hoping on that maybe he sees. Of course, he wants to be a primary, but I think all that losing might get to him, which that gets into the whole how they're feeling, you know, trying to play psychology, you know, psychiatrist on these guys. But at the same time, but yeah, as you say, like on paper, he would be a great fit. Now he would help this. It would be like an upgraded Dorian Finney-Smith for us, except the guy that can actually, you know, put the ball in the hole. And that would be awesome for us, especially if he can come in at the four. And I think, you know, just having that another scoring option, a guy that you, you know, like tonight when Luca's getting doubled, if you have like a Jeremy Grant you're passing out to, you're, you're not so worried like, oh, what's he going to do? Is he going to fumble? Is he going to dribble into another defender? You know, that's somebody you can confidently be like, okay, he's going to go. He can go get a bucket. You don't mind him. Or he can make that extra pass, swing it over. So, right. yeah. Like I, Dwight, Dwight kept, getting the, kept getting the – he kept getting the ball at the top of the key on those on those doubles, and I, as, I love Dwight, but that's terrifying. Exactly, exactly. It's like if you you know if that was Jeremy Grant, okay, now you feel a little bit more comfortable. Someone that can handle the rock, can dish it off, shoot whatever. But yeah, once it gets into that territory, it gets it gets scary. Well, so. thank you for joining tonight. But you yeah, got anything else? Anything else? Uh, not, not tonight. This will be it for tonight. I just had to get my Jeremy Grant rant in there real quick. So appreciate Absolutely. Thanks for joining. I hope you come back. Talk soon. Okay. Who else we got? My man, Leo, what's going on, buddy? Hello. Uh, just to make a few, a uh, few couple quick points. 
uh, as far as moving up in the standings, uh, someone in the chat just said that uh, Slomo and Bane just entered protocol. So that might be a chance for us to move up because the Memphis Grizzlies are up on us, but they've played two more games so far in the year and we play them later on this week. And then as far as the Jazz, for their next 10 games, they have to go against the Suns twice, the Warriors twice, and the Grizzlies. And then we still have three games against them. So theoretically, we could pass them in the standings by winning two out of the games. And if they just lose a couple. I've not really paid too much close attention to the standings because it starts to drive me crazy. Um, But that's. You know, the, the Mavericks have some tough stretches coming up, too, because they play the Grizzlies, the Warriors, the Suns. Like, there's a lot there's a lot that needs to happen. But, again, there's still, what, 30-something, 30 38 games-ish remaining. So there's there's still plenty of time. But it's it's why, you know, it's why tonight's win and the Thunder win are so important. Like, you can't lose these winnable games. And, and if you do, you just kind of knock yourself. Like, the Mavericks failed up into the fifth seed last year. Like, that's just the fact. And this year, I feel much better about their chances of securing. And I kind of feel like this might be a little dumb to say, but it feels like we've just been replaying last year because I feel like we had the same conversation the same time last year where it's like, hey, we can catch up to the Blazers and the Lakers if we just win these couple games and they have these tough stretchers coming down. And they also seem to have injuries happening around the same time that Memphis is going down and that the Jazz are having internal problems along with the fact that Rudy Gobert, although he's right, did seem to call out Donovan Mitchell and Clarkson for their. You know, we were talking about this a lot last year. The difference was, though, the Mavericks started 9-14. and 14. As, as annoying as the season started this year with our higher expectations, I don't think the Mavericks got more than three games below 500. I, I, should, I should know this, but I don't know. There's, there's a little more confidence in what they're doing right now being sustainable because Josh Bo just referred to tonight's game as like kind of a, a old school Mavs game where everyone else played like crap except for Luca and one other guy. Um, they've won so many games this year with better team efforts. And that's just, I mean, that's just a more sustainable path forward. And the last thing, uh, not really to bring up trade talks, but as far as the way our defense has changed since we don't have Dwight Powell really guarding the, uh, guarding the big man as much and just having running him out to shooters. Is there any player you would just replace them with or any like ideal person or maybe like see a way to get yourself into a sixer straight to maybe throw in a first to get Matisse? I mean, man, you talk about Matisse Thibault. That was the dude, one of those dudes that, that I know like Dalton Trigg and I like desperately wanted. Um, I don't know. I'm the worst trade guy in America for the Mavericks just because I don't, like, number one, they never do anything I want, so why would they do this? So it's like half the time, I just don't even try. Um, I'm, I'm really not sure. I mean, the fact that they parted with Willie, uh, you know, gives me a little bit of hope. I, I don't, I just don't see a move for them. Now, I could be wrong. I, I, I hope I'm wrong because I don't want to see, as much as I enjoy, like, what's happening right now, I don't want to see the same seven guys again this year in the playoffs like I've seen what Dorian and what Maxie can do in the playoffs I need something new but that's just me and final thing sorry uh for going on too long uh, as far as Jake uh Jake Kidd being a coach uh, I think Bill Simmons had this on this podcast about like who how many uh actual men how many people can actually be head coaches both in NBA and the NFL 
And he said, like, how many people can actually hire the correct people to be doing their jobs and know when to lay off? I don't really like him as a coach, but a lot of people have been saying wonder, have been uh, singing praises to the bench and saying how great they are with communicating with the players. So maybe this is the point where maybe we kind of just take the go with the bad. Maybe he's not the greatest X's and O person, but it seems like he knows how to hire the. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not in any position to criticize. Um, they're winning. I have found. You know, I, I wrote about being like up close and personal at the game. I, I think with this group of guys, particularly some of them who are on the younger half, there's really some value in not micromanaging them. Um, I saw a lot of players look over to the bench for more direction, and there's just a little bit of of, of solid management going on to where if players are coming to you and wanting to know things. That just it's so much more valuable than directing them because these guys are professionals. Like you have to treat them like professionals at some point. And, you know, I just, I, I just find myself, the further we get away from the Carlisle era, the, the more it sort of screams to me of like, how did Cuban let that go on? The, it, anyway, I don't want to talk about that too much tonight, but I'm very much pleased with that. This is working out. I'm delighted to be wrong. I hope I'm wrong is where I'll go. I don't, you know, it's, it's still early. It's still halfway through the first season. So let's, let's just hope things continue to go on the upward slope. Right. Oh, you got off stage. All right. Uh, coming up next is Henry. How are we doing, Henry? Hey, what's going on, Kirk? Welcome. Uh, yeah, I saw a, um, a quick stat on the broadcast tonight about Luca's uh, exponential increase in running those post-up plays. I think he's up to like 4.7, I think is what yes. I saw. Um, my question was like, I mean, obviously watching him bully small guards in the paint is, is fun to watch, but could you envision, you know, a universe where, cause I know since KP has been here, like the stress has been, Oh, like get him in the paint, get him in the paint, get him in the paint. But you know, could you see a universe where Luca's running more post-up plays or, or us running an offense with Luca post-up? <laughs> I'm not really sure. So I found that post-up stat to be a little interesting because his points per possession out of post-up are actually pretty bleh. They're better than they were. The last time I looked, it was like 0.88 points per possession, and, and um, Porzingis was significantly higher. I know like the 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 offense out of post-ups where he's doing other stuff, I think, is, is one of the things they like in. I know that he likes basically bullying people. I'm not – I don't know. Their offense has really been crappy. <laughs> for being quite honest. And I don't know, you know, a part of me keeps thinking that, you know, Luca may be shooting a little better, Porzingis shooting a little better from distance. Like that has to change things. But, you know, Josh and I just sort of talked about this to where there's no way the defense stays like number one, like that's just bananas. But if they settle as like a top 10, 12 defense and then can improve to like a 14 to 10 offense, maybe, then they really might have something. I mean, it's, the season is not a finished product at any point until you get to the playoffs. And so there's just a lot of little things that give me, you know, cranky ass me like hope for optimism because, you know, him working out of the post where he doesn't want that contact. Like I've been very, I've been a little critical of Luca about that lately where he fades once he gets to the middle because he doesn't want to absorb the contact. I get it. People foul the shit out of him. I, that was what was so striking about being at the Oklahoma city games. He just, he just gets treated like he's he's you know him and Giannis like are are you know Shaq where they go in the lane and nobody cares. Um, 
I'm not sure what they could do out of post ups. I do like it. Um, I, I, I sort of want. I sort of think they go to it a little too much. But you know, that's that's just my opinion. Yeah, the the difference between him and KP is not that different. The points per play, Lucas is at point eight eight, and KP is at point nine zero even. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I mean, anything to help him get out of this shooting slump. I mean, shot looked good tonight. Speed. What did yeah, you? It think? looked real good. Yeah, it looked real good tonight. I just need to see more. The free throws are are what's should be at least in my opinion, giving us more hope because if he's able to, you know, Jonathan Sharks has talked about free throws being kind of a bellwether for players in, in eventually being able to shoot the three. And that's what him being like a 68% free, free throw shooter is driving me nuts because it's, he's a better shooter than that. And so now that he's knocking free throws down, knock on wood, it just, it feels like there's, there's still a lot of room for Luca to play even better this year. All right, uh, that's all I got, Kirk. I got us going two and one in this little three-game stretch. That might be a little too optimistic, but I well. take it. I'll take it as well. Thank you. Right. Have a good night. All right, coming up next, Davis. You've been hanging out a while. Welcome back, Davis. Are we there? Hmm. Doesn't seem to respect Davis's audio. We'll try you back here in a minute. Okay, coming up next, Michael. How are we doing? Hey, Kirk. What's up? Not much. Thanks for joining again. Uh, yeah. It's just really difficult to get used to a Mavericks team that actually defends and like one that one that you know actually stays in games because of their effort on defense. I I, I don't know what to do about it. Uh, <laughs> It's so delightful that I, I keep waiting for something terrible to happen, but they've played like 14 straight games now of incredible defense. They've held 21 straight appoint, opponents to under 50% shooting. Yeah, and the craziest part is like, like it isn't really um, – okay, so actually, actually, actually I have a question for you. Like, um, like it feels like the team hasn't really even been shooting that well in this like – what is this this past like 11 games or 10-1 and one, like – like, do you know? Like, so, so I guess in those in these past eleven games, like, uh, how many games would you say that the Mavs have outshot their opponent from three? Half, maybe. I would, and that's just a guess because I've I've not been paying attention to that stuff because they're winning through the defense. Right. Right. So I actually I was curious. So I looked it up. They've actually, in every single one of their wins, they've actually outshot their opponent from three. Like, even the mm-hmm. even the games when they're, like, eight for 30 or something, like, their opponent is just shooting worse. And Certainly it's, happened, it's, tonight. happened tonight. Yeah. Um, so, a part of me is still a little bit cautious. Like, you know, like, you know, like, the Mavs are shooting poorly, but maybe, you know, I feel like there have been points, like, last year where, you know, there is, like, 10-game stretches where it's like, oh, their defense is looking good. They're, like, top 10 defense in this past 10 games. And then it was just all it was just on illusion because it's just, you know, like, there, it was just our opponents shooting like shit. So I there is that little, I guess, twinge in the back of my mind thinking, okay, what if it's just another, like, cold stretch for our opponents? And, you know, because ultimately, because you, you look at the one game where, you know, our opponents actually shot well from three, like, you know, sh- and, you know, the Knicks, we got destroyed. So I don't know, like, like, cause if you, if you kind of look, um, if you, if you kind of look at like what the new scheme asks, it's like, you know, they're, 
they're pretty much se- it seems like they're selling it at the rim and they're trying to just like be a lot more active in like rotations and getting getting back out to shooters but still like if they're if there that does leave open like you know that period that that little moment in time where like an opposing shooter if they're in a rhythm will still be able to hit those threes so i so i i guess it's just you know I'm I'm thrilled, but I'm so very. I, I don't know if I can trust it yet. Is what I'm trying to get at. Well, um, I get it, and that's why I think the number one defense stuff is a bit of a mirage. Mm-hmm. But that's you know, if you settle into top ten, I think I'd, I'd be delight. I'd just be really ecstatic about that. You're right about the three point shooting defense. And for anybody that doesn't know this, so far the the big stats people that do all the NBA coverage basically boil three-point defense down to blind fucking luck. Like, there is nothing. (laughs) Like, they've not been able to find any sort of correlation with scheme, yada, 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 all the way down the line. Like, that's why the Knicks last year were mowing, you know, they they had an entire season of excellent three-point shooting luck. And then, you know, while they've rebounded a little bit, why they're not in the the, uh, exact place where they were last year is in no small part because of um, the three-point shooting luck, which kind of regressed in a way that, that hurt them. So, I mean, I think we should take this. Uh, I mean, cause, yeah, the Knicks are all the way down. Jeez, the Knicks are the 11th in the conference. Good God. Um, we just got to enjoy this while it lasts because if teams start hitting again, maybe at that point the Maverick offense starts to catch up a little bit. Oh, yeah, that, 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 that would definitely be the hope. And, you know, you know, just I guess you're right. We just got to enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining again, Michael. You got anything else? Uh, no, that's it. Thanks for holding right. these. Sure. Talk soon. All right. Let's try Davis again. Davis. What about now? There we go. Hear me? Yep. All right. Uh, well, great win, first of all. Um, Luca just was masterful out there. And, you know, going back to the post up, you know, the amount of times he posts up, I think it's 4.7 times a game, which is, Ridiculous! It's double. It's more than double what he um, posted up uh, the last couple of years. I think he's been at you know 1.5 to one post up per game. So it's just nice to see him back in the pick and roll, uh, playing top of the key, finding the open man, even if they're you know missing their shots. Um, but I mean that was just incredible, and he really showed why he's um, just the best you know, possible playoff player because he he can take, you know, the guard and the post, but he at the same time he can, you know, dribble uh the large wing and, and the large center on the perimeter and just make it look silly. So like he just scores in all facets of the game uh at his best. Uh which, you know, I think, you know, when when you compare guys like John Moran, you know, I think he'll probably struggle to do that come playoff time. Um, but, I mean, just a masterful performance on, on his part. Um, the thing with Luca in his evolution, he still has a lot of levels he can get to. We've talked extensively about the fitness. But I think the next thing for him is him figuring out ways to motivate himself the way like Jordan and Bird and some of these guys did on a night-in, night-out basis. He gets bored because he can kick the shit out of these guys on every night. That's what that's what seeing them him up close against the Thunder was just so shocking, where it's just like he wants to try hard things. 
And I don't think he really loves contact. I don't blame him. It's a long season. He's a bigger, like, he doesn't want to absorb all this punishment. It's how you can get hurt. But he's so much stronger and so much better than every other player on the court 98% of the time. There's, like, Giannis. There's LeBron. I can't really think of that. And, and Kawhi Leonard probably are the only other kind of guys in that physicality range that can work with him and compete with him. And it, he just... When he decides he's going to do a thing, when he really puts his head down and he's not doing it from a place of frustration, as a, I, he's just dominant. And, and that's what we saw tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and on that point, I mean, it's really, it's, there's plenty of strong dudes in the NBA, but it's like that combination of, uh, of strength and... Functional uh, strength. Just skill, right? Yeah, exactly. Like... Like when you put your shoulder in a dude, you know, you don't overexert that and draw foul. And, but you're at the same time being able to finish through contact. Like that's such an important skill, which is, you know, why he's made for the playoffs and things like that. Because, you know, there's just a multitude of ways for him to score. I would yep. Dirk was incredible at it. Uh, Dirk ability to finish through contact, you know, take the tough shot as he fades. You know, he may have been labeled off, but like go back and watch Dirk and he's, you know, brawling with dudes in the, in the paint and, you know, in the mid range where he's just, you know, bouncing off them and just taking that tough shot, which, you know, what, you know, what John, what Giannis struggled before last year was, you know, getting in the final minutes of the game, being able to get a shot off in a way where he's actually an efficient shot and a shot that's going to go in, uh, when he's, you know, surrounded by five dudes. Uh, and Luca has that ability. And not only that, he can not only get his own shots, but actually find, I mean, the passes, he, some of the passes he had today, the one where he, uh, he, he like took a step. He like, he like dribbled through two dudes and found, I think, Finney in the corner. Oh on yeah. One leg. Like that was ridiculous. Like, like the ball curved is like one of those, like, I can't remember that bullet time movie where the bullets used to curve. Like, mm-hmm. I don't understand how he even got it there because Toronto knew what was coming. Exactly, exactly. And which and like people I always say this, but he is in my mind, if not the best passer in the league, top three with Jokic and and with uh and with LeBron. And people yep. always you know, people always you know, they oh Chris Paul this, but like Chris Paul's short. Chris Paul's an amazing passer, but he cannot make the passes Luca makes. It's a size thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's why they're the three best passers in the league. They not only have skill they have the vision and then the height to go to go along with it like it just that's what differentiates Trey Young and, and, and Luca in terms of passing ability is just their ability to see over defenses um, they're both just great passers but one is six seven the other six foot two you know so uh, so it's just incredible to watch and it was a vintage Luca performance where he's actually manufacturing points in the pick and roll as opposed to what we've seen thus far in the year that's right. Love to have vintage performances from 23-year-olds. It's outstanding, exactly. right? Exactly. Turns out he didn't fall off the face of the earth, and he's still a real good basketball player. Right. I, I heard a Bill Simmons podcast today with House, and they were talking about how Luca quote, like, is, like, talking about how he needs to be punished in terms of voting for how he showed up to start the year. And it's just, like, all-star voting doesn't – it's closed as soon, but then the coaches and media still have time and if he just keeps rolling through dudes, I don't know what the justification will be for not starting him. Like, I appreciate Ja. He's one of my favorite players to watch. 
And it's just Lucas did. Lucas the dude when he wants to be. I don't know. Exactly. And it, and as a NBA fanatic, you know, I really don't care about all-star voting. I care more sure. about it all NBA. Like in a grand scheme of things, like when you look at the at a back at a player's career, like Dirk's fourteen All Star votes, like it's probably the last two All Star selections were like his definitely his last one was what it was, you know, obviously an honor one, but the previous one was like he was still a good player, but he wasn't really an all star. It's his twelve all NBA selections that yes. where where he's showed he was an amazing player. Like I, I don't care about Kobe's sixteen all star appearances or whatever. It's his, you know, other fourteen all NBA appearances that actually show what player he was as opposed sure. to a fan contest. And also uh, one thing before I go, I just, I'm glad we can move on from this ridiculous Miles Turner trade talk. Um, unfortunately that he had to get injured for that to happen. But, uh, but, you know, if we're going to throw out unrealistic trade ideas, let's, um, let's try to get Fred Ramsey for a front. You know, like if we're going to throw out ideas, sure. just, you know, unrealistic ideas, might as well, you know, make it interesting. Uh, yes. So, just you know, and obviously, you know, when it comes to Grant, um, hard pass on his role and and what he wants from uh, what he's looking for from a team. I don't think he's going to find that a contender or a competitive team. But uh, I wish him luck. So me too. And thanks for joining us tonight, Davis. Talk soon. Thanks. Mm-hmm. All right, Frank, you're going to close this out tonight. What do you got for us, Frank? Hey, what's up, man? It's hard to uh, want to talk about Luca anymore. Everybody's already kind of beat him to death. But, that's okay. Let's keep yeah, talking. Man. I like talking about Luca. Luca's so much more like, interesting than talking about a lot. Yeah, man. It, and I, I, know, I guess everybody's already kind of taken all the opinions you could possibly have. But I guess it was nice to see him super aggressive. You know, the, he does the pick and roll. He waits for people to like get on his back, and he's oh, not over probing. But he he starts probing, right? And and there's just so much thought process going on. And I think he was even quoted saying he's thinking too much on the shot tonight. It was just will. It was just free. He was. It was a decision to the basket. A pass. You know. It was just real quick. Bang bang. And a lot of. And then that even probably affects his shot too. It's just it's going up. It's not this overthinking of oh do I want to take the pick, and just all the overthinking. Right. I I prefer aggressive Luca first. If it's shots not going, it's fine. But when he's – there have been games this year where he's getting into the lane and giving up open layups because he wants to get other guys involved. I have arguments with some of my non-Maverick media friends all the time where people who insist that he wants to play like Harden, and I'm like, I re- he really wants to get guys involved. Like, he just he, – it's his natural inclination. And I think scoring is something that he, he is very good at, obviously, but I think he would much rather make – a nice pass than a, than a step back three. And uh, unfortunately with some of the shot makers or lack of shot makers, depending on the night for Dallas, I think he has to just be this kind of aggressive. Indeed. Um, I, I, I still think he pounds the ball a little too much. Yeah. Uh, I, JB, he, he's kind of the same way whenever he is free of make, you know, deferring to Luca as the obvious number one, you know, he's, you know, he's a savant. You give the ball to Luca, obviously. But, Jay, we need to make sure that Luca is attacking. And then he, what is he doing? He's kicking it to Max. He's kicking it to Dorian. On that first pass, it's usually so wide open. They're taking it. We've already seen the last three seasons. Those guys cannot consistently make that shot. So, before it even gets that far, I think we need to kick it to JB 
or even as a third option, maybe KP to let them attack the basket and do something. And then maybe like have a different way to break the defense down instead of just Luca getting, you know, balls deep into the paint, kicking it to Dorian and Maxi and us just praying that in the playoffs, it goes in, you know, yeah. we watch, we watch this over and over. So we need to make sure that when JB's on the court, yeah, I know Luca's going off, but he needs to, st- we've got to find this fine. It's and I, and we're nip. I'm, I mean, it's worth 45 minutes into no, this. No, that's what – I mean, know. but that's what this is for. It's nitpicking and talking ideas and working out things. Like, one of the things I desperately want to see more of is I want to see Luca as the role man. They've done it a couple of times, and it causes defenses to freak out. And a Luca, or I'm sorry, a Brunson-Doncic pick and roll is theoretically horrifying to guard if they actually run an actual screen and Luca actually rolls. Yeah, indeed. Um, it's awesome to see these, but I, I'm just still it's still so front of mind for me to know that the balls are the balls go into inconsistent players and we gotta find a way to I don't know, I'm rambling now, but to either like I said, I think the best case is to get the ball into another playmaker's hand with more than seven seconds on the shot clock so they can actually re you know, reestablish an offensive flow within the same possession. So Luca's not pounding it for fifteen seconds and then putting it into the you know, a guy who's probably rated 70 on today <laughs> to do something with five seconds left in the shot clock with Kawhi or Paul George or uh, Mikael Bridges or, you know, the six, eight, seven foot wingspan, all pro defenders guarding them in the playoffs. I do. I do. And that part may, that happened a lot in the fourth quarter tonight where it felt like they were just trying to drain the clock. And it's like, guys, just keep running the offense. You're going to win if you keep running the offense. Indeed. But all right, man, we'll have a good night. Appreciate your hosting us. You too. Talk soon. All right, guys. Had a great time. Hope everybody uh, enjoyed the win. We'll be back tomorrow night. If for anybody doesn't know, it's the early game on TNT. Starts at 630 Central, which hopefully means we will be on here earlier talking about a victory, and then we can all go to bed. Um, everybody you know, who's listening on the podcast, download Spotify Green Room. Follow me at Kirk Henderson. 35, I think is what I am and hop on and talk like we, everybody that joins these, I think comes away with a, at least I hope a positive experience. Um, I want to, I, I enjoy talking to a lot of the regulars that come in here, but anybody that's name, I don't recognize. I'm going to give you a first pass through the board because I want, uh, I want people to participate. Um, democratization of content is one of the best things about internet. All right. Kirk Henderson, Mavs Moneyball. Talk to you guys tomorrow.